It sounds like she had a good time down there in Florida. I think Florida is a great place to come from. Um, number 83. This song is Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. We're going to stand for this song for those who care to stand. And if we really believe in God and the one who he says he is, we will sing this song as we mean it. Okay? Shall we sing? Joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, hail thee as unbroken above. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness, drive the dark of doubt away. Giver of immortal gladness, fill us with the light of day. All thy works with joy surround the earth and heaven. Reflect the rays, stars and angels sing around the center of unbroken praise. Fields and forests, vales and mountains, blossoming meadows, flashing sea, chanting birds and flowing fountains. Call us to rejoice in Thee. Thou art giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed. Wellspring of the joy of living, ocean depths of happy rest. Thou the Father. Our brother, all who live in love or thine, teach us how to love each other, lift us with a joy divine. Mortals join the mighty chorus, says the morning stars begin. Heaven-loving rain for us, brother, loves wise man to man. Never sing, march we onward, victory in the midst of strife. Joyful music lifts us sunward in songs of life. Amen. You may be seated. When I preach, it just makes me nervous, very nervous. And I know a lot of people have told me, well, you don't seem nervous, but I am very much. And uh, it's so easy to get caught up in our own uh, feelings and how we feel, you know, am I going to say it right? Am I going to communicate what I'm trying to get across? Am I going to be misunderstood and all these other things? Because sometimes my mind goes faster than my mouth wants to go. And um, so, therefore, don't come out clear. And uh, so I'll just put that out there for an apology. And yet, <laughs> I just trust that God can somehow uh, come through to you. Um, the message I have this morning is something I have been thinking about for some time, quite some time already, but I never knew how quite to put it together because um, I'm one of these types of guys that I enjoy prophecy. And uh, depending who would be listening to me today, like, yes, finally, somebody else is on the train with me. But I enjoy prophecy. What does the Bible have to say about prophecy? And I'm not one of these uh, prophecy gurus. I'm not one of these guys that try to 
try to dive in and try to figure out what is the Bible trying to say. But I like to listen to the people who love prophecy and try to dissect the Bible and get all the answers together. And there's some parts of the Bible we don't understand. Now, I will give you a pre-sermon, type, pre-sermon message here in just a little bit. But <clears throat> I enjoy, I get these magazines, these magazines in the mail, and it's a prophecy magazine. I enjoy, and I also go on YouTube, and I listen to certain prophecy guys, and I try to understand what are these guys trying to say and see if they all connect the dots. And I'm the only one that's trying to connect the dots. These guys seem like they have it all figured out, or at least to a degree. And even down into the day and age, the things and the signs and the times that we have today, what does this mean? And I will surely tell you this morning that I don't have it nowhere near figured out. And I'm not going to try to convince you this morning that I have it figured out. But I will tell you this morning, the signs of the times are here. And we are living in the last days. And that is what I want to communicate this morning. We probably don't have time to finish everything, but I will just... I will t- Give you a pre-sermon text first, and then we'll see how much time we have left. And we don't have enough time left. We'll just finish next Sunday. Okay? Is that fair? Okay. I had a, got a flyer in the mail, and um, I started reading this flyer. So get your pen and papers out. I was going to send a text around this morning, but I didn't get that done. I don't know how, so it's just easier to text uh, Jeremy and put it out there. And uh, I forgot to tell this. But anyway... I have this, uh, got this flyer in the mail, and it's a Christian-oriented flyer. There's many newsletters I get, and uh, this one really caught my attention. And uh, there is, there's eight points, Jesus, the man who changed the world. And I thought, wow, this is good. And so I did not want to go into a big, long escapade about, um, about all these things. So I just jotted down the... Um, Jotted down these eight points for a quick pre-sermon text. And, uh, and I just like to give these to you. So get your pen and paper out and write these. These are just short little blips that I like to give to you. And, uh, you know, we just came through Valentine's Day. So what to you, um, husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, Valentine's Day, what does that mean to you? How would you explain that? Bob? Yeah. Every day is Valentine's Day. Uh, as I shared with my children, it's a, it's a day recognized that a fellow just stood up against the culture saying that there shouldn't be marriage anymore. And he said that there is a scriptural place for marriage and that for, the, for a commitment to be made in love husband and wife. Good. Roger, what would you say? This is kind of off the cuff here a little bit. I'm not very orthodox, so you'll have to bear with me. Jeremy, what would you say? Okay. Candy? Okay, I'm on board. Good. Okay. George? Very good. Rachel, don't ask you? Okay, I like that honesty. Sam, what would you say? Don't ask you either? Amen. Good. Very good. That's a true statement. Mose, do you have a thought? Okay. <clears throat> so I'll just write down what I penciled down. I kind of took these eight points and plus I added a few of my other, my other thoughts here. As we celebrated Valentine's Day, many people reflect on romantic love. That's true. Now for myself, this year is the first time I've been back in town on Valentine's Day for I don't know how many years. Uh, a lot of times I'm down to Larry, but this year I was here for Valentine's Day. And then my wife flew to Sarasota, Florida. <laughs> so... 
So we didn't do nothing because she was trying to get ready to go. But this is the challenge I want to leave with you. But what does it look like to love one another as Christ loved us? What does that look like? Okay, you ready? Get your pen and paper out. And I am guilty on all eight points. Let's just get that out there. I am guilty on all eight points, me personally. You, you might have accomplished it, but I'm guilty. Okay? And I'm sitting there reading this paper, and I'm like, whoa, I got lots of homework to do. Okay, here we go. Listen without accusing. You get that? Listen without accusing. Let's go to Proverbs. Some of these are taken out of Proverbs, and I'm just, I wrote down a reference with each one here. Listen without accusing. So we're going to have school this morning. And Proverbs 18.13, okay? In 18.13, it reads like this. Um, let me see. He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, heareth it, it is a folly and a shame unto him. Okay, I'm just going to stick this out here. How many times when somebody comes to you with something... And before they're finished with the story, they have an answer for you, and you haven't heard the whole thing yet. Yeah. Happens all the time. I do it to my wife. I do it to my family. And you know what? I do it to other people, and I am trying desperately. And people have done it to me. It makes me mad. And it's like, and I turn around and do the same thing. Okay? And we have this answer out there. Now, I just got a phone call a few weeks ago at... The guy on the other line talked about this very thing. He says, you know, he said, I got problems. He said, I go to certain people. He said, there's certain people I will not go to. I said, why won't you go to them? He said, they have an answer to my problem before I'm even done explaining what my problem is. I said, oh. And he said, I will go to the guy. He said, I'm calling you because you will listen to me. I'm like, whoa. I must be improving at least a little bit. But many times we, get, we have these people who come to us with their problem because they have faith and they trust you. And we start auguring our, our agenda, our solution to their problem before they're even done. And many times people, including myself, when i got a problem, I want them to just listen to me. I'm not looking for an answer. I told my wife one day, just lately... I said, you know, my problems are bigger than you. I just want you to listen to me. And you know, many times a lady wants to tell you, husbands, listen. They want to tell you their problem. They don't want an answer. They just want you to give them a listening ear and pay attention. Because the problem is bigger than me. Thank you. Welcome back. And so, before you, before you listen to listen loud, hear the whole story. And so I'm trying to change my life and trying to put myself in subjection to these eight points that I've written down here. Listen without interrupting. Okay? Let's go to, Prov- let's go to um, James 1.9. Write down James 1.9. Sorry, 119. I should get my glasses on. But sometimes they're more of a nuisance than they are any good. Okay, James 119, it reads like this. Well, our second one, write this down. Speak without, without accusing. Can I speak to somebody? Can I speak to you without making you feel small and belittled, without accusing you? Okay, what does James 1.19 say? It says, therefore, wherefore, my brethren, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath, for the wrath of God worketh not the righteousness of God. Okay? There's a reason why God built us with two ears and one mouth. Can you imagine if we had two mouths and one ear? Whoa, we'd be in bad shape. We'd be in bad shape. Maybe some of us need two mouths because we don't talk enough. You know, I had somebody tell me about one of my children. He said, you know, they don't say enough. 
And I thought, ooh, I should listen to that. Okay? Be slow to speak and swift to hear. What are we trying to tell people? Sometimes people will tell you stuff that you've got to sort it out. And what are they really trying to communicate with their heart? What are we trying to say? I'm speaking from my heart. The words that are coming out of my mouth, you know, that's a lot of emotional process going on. But what am I really trying to say down deep inside? And trying to pick that up. And trying to listen. What are you really trying to say? So you ask questions. You, and trying to get what they're really trying to say. Slow to speak and swift to hear. I got a problem. I need to do that. Okay, the third one. Let's go back to Proverbs 17. Okay, you, you guys that are writing these things down. In Proverbs 17.1. I can already see we're not going to get very far in this message. Okay, the third thing is um, answer. Let's see, one, two, three. Answer without arguing. Did we, t- we didn't talk about that one. Answer without arguing. Okay. In Proverbs 17, 1, it says this. Better is a dry morsel and quietness therewith a house full of sacrifices with strife. So what it's saying there, I'm going to put it in the Sean version. It is better to eat a dry piece of saltine cracker than to have and have quietness and peace. Instead of having all the right I's and the T's dotted and yada, yada, yada. And have strife. And I don't like saltine crackers. They're dry. Or at least dry ones. Okay? To answer without arguing. Can I, be, could, can I answer without having this argumentative conversation with people? And this is, goes way beyond... You know, husband and wife relationships. This goes way. This goes on at, in, a, in our in our relationships with people and trying to hear what people say. Can I just can I just answer without having some big argument going on? Am I willing to just lay down? And you, you, you at the brothers' meeting, brother Mark, he talked about some of these things, how to love one another, and he went around the room and asking, why do you think this church survived the turbulent times? And it was said over and over and over again because people loved one another. Would you say that in a nutshell, brother? And so <clears throat> there are times when, when, when we went through very difficult times that some people, instead of arguing over this and that and another thing, just lay down. Just lay down. It will eventually reveal itself. And it did. It did. Okay. That was answer without arguing, and Proverbs 17, verse 1 goes with that. Okay, number four. Number four. Okay, can I affirm and encourage? Can I affirm and encourage as I love you, as I love, as we love one another? Let's go to First Thessalonians 5. First Thessalonians 5 goes with that. Let's see if I can even find it here. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11. And it reads like this. I'm going to write there. It says, okay, right here. It says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. To, and that word um, edify means to build up. Can I build up as we love, as we love on one another? Can I build you up? Can I encourage you? Can I somehow lift you up? You know, there are some people in our lives that I enjoy talking to. You know why? Because when I walk away from that conversation, I feel built up. I feel like I can conquer the world. And other people like, Shoo. I feel like you have to take a shower. Why? What is the difference? Because you know what? When we're done with certain people that have encouraged us, and they um, give us words of affirmation, and that's one of my love language. That's my love language is words of affirmation. I feel like, well, I'm ready to go conquer the world. Why? Because I feel encouraged. I don't feel beat down. And you know, maybe he's telling me or she's telling me things that are hard for them to tell me, and yet I feel encouraged because you know they'll come around 
and bop me on the head with a ball-peen hammer, but then they'll just turn around and say, you know what, go ye this way, walk in this way, do this. And I'm like, I can do that. I can do that. Right? Okay. The fifth one, jot this down. Keep your promises. 1 John 2.5. Let's go to 1 John 2.5. 1 John 2.5. And it reads like this. But whosoever keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected, whereby know we that we are in him. So if we, if we keep our promises, that is saying God is in us. In us. <clears throat> there is nothing I hate worse than when people say, I'll do this and so, and then they call you up and say, well, we can't do this, and they have this list of excuses from here to Cheng Cheng Chu. You know, come on. How many times have you told me you'll do these things and we don't perform our promises? You know, I totally get it. I totally get it. And I totally understand there's things in life that come up. I realize things change. But you know what? Do you try to keep your promises as you, as you try? <clears throat> and, you know, I totally get it. Sometimes we have to make the phone call. Sometimes we have to put the news out there. Look, I can't keep it because of yada, yada, yada. And all these, re these reasons. I totally get it. You know what? We're going to have, if, if I told you we're having church here, if you called me up Saturday night, hey, will you be in church Sunday morning? Absolutely. I find myself and my family in this church Sunday morning, week in and week out by and large. I just got done making you a promise that I will be here Sunday morning. But you guess what? The Willamette River rose up. It's 10 feet above my house. I won't be there. You see what I'm saying? Things happen that we cannot accomplish what we try to set out to do. I get that. Or if Dennis calls me up and says, you know what? I want to meet you at the PV for a cup of coffee. I want to see how you're doing. I love you, brother. But, you know, I would just like to touch in with you. And somewhere on the, on the, way, to, on the way to the PV uh, truck stop, his uh, front tire fell off. And he's not going to make it there. You know, I get it. I understand. Sometimes we cannot keep. But let's be a people that are noted for keeping their promise. If we say we'll do X, Y, Z, yada, 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 let's be there. Okay. <clears throat> that is number five. Number six. Okay. You ready for this one? Here we go. Forgive like Jesus. Oh. Forgive like Jesus. Colossians 3.13. Let's see what Colossians 3.13 says. Let's see here. See if we can find Colossians. Maybe they forgot to put it in this Bible. Colossians 3.16. Here we go. Okay, whoa, you think it's safe to read this? Okay, okay, let's uh, back up a verse or two. Let's back up to verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness, a mind, meekness, long-suffering. Okay, you ready for this? Forbearing one another and forgiving one another... If any man have a quarrel, a complaint against any, even as Christ forgave ye, now get this, so also, also do ye. Tall order. Can I forgive as Christ forgave? You know, who was the one that nailed through, that drove those nail, nails into his hands and feet? And what were the words he said? Somebody, real quick. What did he say? Father, forgive them. If there's any if there's any time he could have said, yo, this is not fair. I was without sin. I never sinned. I never did anybody wrong. I healed the sick. I rose up the dead from, from the grave. I did all these things, and I'm getting nailed to the Christ. It's not fair. But he said, Father, forgive them. They know what they did. And what did the centurion say when he died? And the earth shook, and it got dark. What did the centurion say, young man? This is the Son of God. 
This was the Son of God. This had to be. This is more than just this is more than just a man. Okay. Let's go, let's just back up a page two, Colossians 1 9. And the seventh thing is pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. What does that mean? Anybody, real quick. What does that mean? Pray without ceasing. Does that mean we go about our day to day, eyes closed, we're praying? Does that mean, does that mean what that means? You don't think it was? What's your name? Ever. Ever, yeah. Got it. Yeah. What do you think that means? Amen. Obviously, you can't you can't pray constantly and be with the praying throughout your day. It's not possible if you're going to live. But ask God. You run into a jam. God, what do we do here? What do we do about this? What do we do that? What about this relationship? What about this? How do I how do I go about this? God, I need answers, and so forth and so on. Okay, let's go to the next notch up. Somebody that's older. What's your, what's your thought? I'm trying some teaching skills here. I'm not a teacher, but I'm trying. Roger? Pray continually. Pray every day. Pray every day. Pray every day. Do you, what's your, which, um, do you have a prayer closet? Uh, pray on the, one, on the way to work. Pray, um, you know, as a family tradition, it's not really a tradition. I think it's important. We as a family, now we didn't do this morning because I forgot my glasses, so I had to run to the shop. To my wife's Yukon sitting over there. I had to go <laughs> get my glasses so I could read. And uh, we normally pray. Before we come into church, we've done that for many, many years. And that all birthed out of, um, I remember, uh, many, many years ago when uh, Val Yoder was at Brownsville for, um, for some meetings, and me and my wife... He pulled up there with his van. You know, he wasn't he wasn't a wealthy man. He pulled up in his older van, and and uh, he had his family there. They were younger at that point, and uh, we looked over there, and here they were. Here he was, his family. They were in the van praying, and that really spoke to me. That really spoke to me. And I told my wife at that point, when we didn't have no children at that point in time. I said, you know, I said that we ought to do that. That's a good thing to do to pray for the service. To pray um, together as a family and to, and to just commit our lives to Him before we start the day. How about when we leave on a trip? Why do we, and you know, this is, this is not the way it should be, but this is just how it happens. You know, when we left for California, we left at 8.30 at night, me and Isaac Guerrero. And I, and I just, um, normally a lot of times at the end of the driveway, we'll just pause for a word of prayer. And we just like... We're, we're, we're heading to Tulare, California. We're all psyched up. We're excited. We're going down there. Warm sunshine. We're going to this show. Life's good. And uh, I'm like, ooh. I was driving west on 228, heading for the freeway. I'm like, ooh, we forgot to pray. And so we get gets on the I-5, and I just pulled off that wide spot. And I said, you know, I said, let's just pause for a word of prayer. Just commit this all to God. And God kept us safe. We ride down there safely. We had a good time. Pray without ceasing. Okay, let's go to Galatians 6. Galatians 6. Write this down. Bear one another's burden. How do we do that? Let's see what God's Word says. Galatians 6, verse 2. Bear ye one another's burden, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Sometimes that's hard. Sometimes that's hard. Sometimes, you know, I see people going through some very difficult times. And how do you bear one another's burden? How do you do that practically? Does anybody have a thought? How do you bear one another's burden? How do we reach out to somebody that's hurting? The hands are hanging down. The knees are weak. And life is not fair to them. It seems like. And how, when you see people going through very dark times, and like, how do we reach down and pick them up and encourage them? 
How do we do that? And sometimes I struggle. I don't know. I see people going through dark times. And I don't know what the answer is. I don't know how to do it. And yet I want to be there for them. Sometimes we think we have a lot of words to say. And sometimes they don't want words. Sometimes we don't want words. Just be there. Just show your support. Um, you know, maybe just in, in, in today's high technology, just shoot them a text or whatever. It don't have to be paragraphs along. Just a simple blip. You know, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. God bless your day. Very simple. Let's turn to John 13, 30, 32. John 13, 32. It reads like this. It says, If God be glorified in Him, God shall also glorify Himself and shall straightway glorify Him. I'm not sure. Uh, that's 32. I meant, let's go to 35. Let's see what verse 35 is. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love. Love one toward another. Do I really love as Jesus loved? Can I follow His example? <clears throat> Do I have the compassion that Jesus has? And I would like to think that sometimes I do, but I'm just going to be brutally honest. Um, no. You know, what would you done if you saw Zacchaeus in the tree and he was a tax collector? You, he wanted to take all your money and you have bills to pay. You're like, you know, that rascal. What did Jesus say? Come down. I will abide at your house today. Well, we've been these religious type of people who would have crossed their hands and said, you know what? What does he think he's doing? Going to that guy's place? You know, sometimes we as humans, that's how we think. What about the lady at the well that was caught in adultery that had five husbands? How, do we, how would we respond to her? We were like, she is just low down. What did Jesus do? Yeah, what did Jesus do? You know, I want to see people excel. And sometimes the down and out just need a helping hand. And sometimes the down and out just need a few words of encouragement. Let's see what John 15 verse 21 says. It says, by all these things they will do unto you for my name's sake. Whoops, 15, 31, 21. Okay. By all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake because they know not him that sent me. They don't love him. They don't love Jesus. That's why they don't do these things. But we as Christians, and conclusion, we are to love each other as Christ has loved us. In doing so, others will recognize that we are his disciples if we love one another. And I, was, last night I just looked at my list and I was like, hold it. I fall short of the mark by a long shot. Um, And I just pray that God would teach me how to love people and to somehow um, be able to communicate God's love in a world that's full of wreckage. Okay. i got 15 minutes left. Did we learn anything? We will discuss after the, fa after the service. <laughs> um, Let's quickly pray. Thank you, God, for today. Teach us how to love one another and to love each other. And, Lord, not when the road is smooth and, it's, and the skies are blue, but help us to love each other in strained relationships when the road is rough 
and the clouds are gathering and the lightning is striking. God, just show us how to love as you loved. I just pray over this message one more time. I pray, Lord, that you would just help me to communicate these thoughts, this word, as we again realize the signs of the times are here. And it's a beginning to the end. And Lord, that we would zealously search our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew 24. Turn to Matthew 24. We must quickly go. Um, and I realize Matthew 24, it talks about the, the temple and, and so forth and so on. But I think there's, uh, Jesus has some words for our day today, our, our day, but in a, a message for us today. And uh, <clears throat> not Matthew 14, Matthew 24. And I would just like to read the first 14 verses. And I can already see that I'm just going to give you an introduction today. And uh, next week, I would just like to, not that I, um, not that I like to uh, uh, be back to back, but I just feel like to do justice to the sermon, I would just like to give you an introduction, read God's Word today, and give you an introduction to this message. And then next week, we'll try to finish up, if the Lord tarries. And uh, I would welcome you all back. I know we have some strangers here. and Some of you are visitors, I'll put, I'll put it that way, are here today. And um, I would welcome you back for next Sunday, but you'll just have to call in. Is that good enough? I know it's not maybe the ideal, but you're welcome here anyway. We will not take the welcome sign off. If somebody takes it off, we'll make sure we get another one back up there. So when I visit churches, I always ask them, is your welcome sign up? And a lot of them say, yes, it's up. Okay, Matthew 24. Matthew 24, the first 14 verses. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. Now, when I read this, I looked at this, and I said, you know, here we got these disciples, and they're showing Jesus. Look, Jesus, look at this temple here. It's a beautiful building. Don't we do that? Like, wow, what a state-of-the-art building. You know, it's just like you work, at, you, you go to this place, and they have this state-of-art, whatever it is, and we're just like, whoa. How did they do that? How did they build that? I spent, I spent a lot of time on YouTube. Look at how they built certain things. It's amazing. State of the art. How does it work? How do they do this? And I can just imagine these disciples like Jesus to show him the building. I like this. To show him the buildings of the temple. Jesus, this is what we have. The temple indicated a religious the religious and the spiritual world in the Jewish day, so to speak. Is that fair enough? And so I think that the, I think the disciples, they were all excited about this building. Like, Jesus, we really got it done. Now, verse 2, and Jesus is going to take this a pin and blow their bubble. Okay? And Jesus said unto him, See ye not all these things? Sure, verily I say unto you, there shall not. And the disciples, they probably fell flat on their face. <laughs> They thought, what in the world is he trying to say? He said, verily I say unto you, there shall not be one left here one stone upon another, that it shall not be thrown, that it shall not be thrown down. Now, what do you think the disciples thought about what Jesus had to tell them? What do you think how they felt? Are you kidding me? Jesus, this temple, we worship here. And Jesus just got done telling me, he says, hey. Before you glorify yourself in this beautiful, magnificent, awesome, amazing building with all its character. And just because Solomon built this thing, Jesus says, comes along and says, I'm telling you, the day is going to come when there will not be one stone left upon another. And they're just, they just, it, they couldn't handle that. It's like, you've got to be kidding me. Verse 3, and he sat upon the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto him, And I like this, and get this good. Write it down. Take heed that no man deceive you. Those were the first words out of his mouth. Take heed that no man shall deceive you. Why in the world would that be the first verse, the first thing he said that came out of his mouth? 
I think it's because Jesus saw way beyond eighty twenty-five. I don't know what year it was. It really don't matter. But I think Jesus saw down to February the 20th, 2022, take heed that no man shall deceive you. Verse 5. And then he tells us why. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass by the end of, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, get this, there shall be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in diverse places. And verse 8, verse 8, all these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, they shall kill you, and they shall, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. There is going to be no love there. And many false prophets shall arise, shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Cold and old. Okay? And he that shall endure to the end, to the end, the same shall be saved. I like that. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Very straightforward. It's the way it is. Okay. I got ten minutes. I'll just give you an introduction to what I'd like to share. Man has always looked into the future, but the only book that gives a hundred percent complete accuracy is the Bible itself. It's the Word of God. It, you know, man, they want to know what is going on. They want to know what the future holds for, for, for the mankind. They want to know. But you know what? They don't, they don't want to dive into God's Word. What does God's Word say? You know, I always said, this is my attitude in the past. It might not have been the proper attitude, but it was an attitude. I'll put it that way. It was a thought process. You know, what does it matter what is out there? What is coming down the road? What does it matter? Just stay in the book. And everything will take care of itself. And you will be ready at all times. And just continue to preach, preach the word. Continue to reach out to people. Continue to touch, get, um, get involved in people's lives. And to, and to encourage people. Hey, keep on keeping on. Just keep in the word. You know, many times in the morning, I'll sit down. I don't use this Bible for my morning time. I use another version. And I just, you know, I open this book up. And I hold this book. And I'm like, you know, this is God's Word. This is God's Word speaking to me. This is God's message to me this morning. This has been passed down through the ages of time. And it will continue through eternity. This is God's Word to me. God, what do you want to tell me today? What do you want to show me this morning? What do you want to correct me on? What do you want to encourage me with? God, this is you speaking to me. God's word. Let's not, let's take it for what it is. Next point in our introduction, the next, the next great event that we're looking for is the literally bodily return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The coming of Jesus is a major doctrine in the word of God. You know, from in the, in the, in the New Testament, or the, basically the whole Bible from Genesis to, to, to Revelations about God's Son, Jesus. You know how He's going to come. It's prophesied eight years before He came. And then He finally came. And then it, was, it talks about, even in the Old Testament, it talks about how He's going to be born. It talks about how He's going to enter the world. It talks about, it talks about his, his life. It talks about his, how they're going to kill Him. It talks about that He's going to rise again on the third day. And all these things, you know... It's, it's amazing prophecy. And, and then now here we are at the end of the age almost, so to speak. I don't know how, much, how many more years we have. It really don't matter. But it's going to talk about how he's going to return. I love reading Revelation. There's a lot that I don't understand in Revelation. The seals and the, and the beasts and the elders and yada, yada, yada. There's a lot of things I don't understand. But, you know, it's very interesting to me. You know, how is this going to play out? And if I was a man that was not prepared, if you are not prepared... To meet Christ when He returns, I'd be shaking all these things that are going to happen. And it's going to be fascinating. How is this all going to work out? 
you know, the, the beast with the four heads and all these things. I don't. There's a lot that I don't understand. The come, um, Okay, it is it is mentioned about many a time, both in the Old and New Testament. We already talked about. It. Today we look at what Jesus prophesied will happen and did happen. We will look at from God's word the fate of this planet Earth. You you read? I was reading Revelation. Maybe that's why I didn't get an. I didn't. Stu- I didn't feel like I. I was like ramming and cramming, trying to get my notes all put together. And I was reading Revelation. I just got fascinated. I just. I just. I just pulled off the exit, so to speak. I just sat there and read in Revelation. I love reading Revelation, and all these things are going to happen to the to this planet Earth. And maybe, and just maybe, Musk he'll get. We'll go to Mars. What do you think? You think that's going to work, Dennis? Did you take a good look at that? Shooter off thing? Is it going to make us? Can we all get in there? No, we're not going to all get in there. Do you think it's going to work? I'm not going to wait and see because God's word says heaven and earth is going to pass away, so Mars is going to go right out with it. Right? Now, that's what I'm banking on. So going to Mars isn't going to be the, be the ticket. But you know what? If you were a man of the world, you'd want to get in that thing, right? Maybe? I would. Okay. Okay, and um, Matthew 24, verse 1 and 2, it talks about, it talks about um, the prophesy, the end time, end time, the, what's the end of the world? These disciples were asking three questions. We'll talk about that later. Jesus prophesied destruction. It didn't make sense to, it didn't make sense to his listeners. The disciples could not believe their ears that this temple would ever be desolated. They're like, we spent years building this thing. And it's all gone, but little did they know. I didn't do the math, but I think it's by about, what, 40-ish years from the time Jesus prophesied till the Roman Romans came and destroyed the temple. The Roman, I have right here, um, about 40 years. The Roman army um, passed Jerusalem and they destroyed the temple. Let's go to Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Let's go to Luke verse Chapter 21. What does this say? Chapter 21, verse 20. And it reads like this. And when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. He's, t- he's telling us right here. Then let them which, which are in Judah flee to the mountains, and them that which are in the midst of it de- Depart out, and let not them that are in the countries are in the countries enter therein too. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. It's exactly like Jesus says, and what he tried to tell his disciples. In Matthew twenty four verse two, it talks about not one stone is going to be left on top of another one. I think they they did some. Um, what do you call them, dirt digging guys? Eschat- uh, not eschatology. That's not the right word. What, what do you What do you call them, guys? Whoa! What? Archaeologists? Okay. They dig dirt. They find ruins, and they put the pieces together. And this is what happened. And you know what they found? That's the exact way they found. <laughs> I mean, it, it. And you know, it's amazing to me. They didn't have nuclear bombs back then to do all that. But it happened. You know, write this down. You note takers, you writer downers, you write down this. We do not live by reason. I read this quote and I thought, ooh, this is good. We do not live by reason. We live by revelation. I thought that was good. The revelation of God's word. We do not, write this down, we do not live by reason we live by revelation. Okay? Okay. Let's not explain away the prophecy of God's word. I've heard that. I've heard, you know, well, I don't mean this and don't mean it. Hey, I don't know. But you know what? If, if let's, let's, I, I just want to take God's word at, at face value. And if this is what God's word says, I don't know. I know through translation there's, there's some translation errors and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, I heard people go down in arguments and all six ways of Sunday on them on that. It's like, you know what? Okay, Jesus is coming back. Just prepare. Just prepare. You know, um, 
You know when you fly, what does, what does the airplane pilot say? Prepare for takeoff. You know what? Get prepared for when the clouds, when, east, when the eastern sky splits and Jesus is coming back. You know, that's what's important. And spread the gospel. We'll talk about that later. Revelation 1, verses 1 and 3. It says this, And the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which shortly must shortly come to pass, and sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. You know, this morning, in this translation I use, it has a, like a big, big, um, almost a page full of really what happened. And so this morning I was reading it. I thought, this is very interesting. And what I find interesting, you know, when was what, where was John when he wrote Revelation? Anybody, quickly. Why? Do you think he was there with a lot of, like a whole herd of people? No. I think he was there by him, pretty much by himself. Right? And you know what? It just dawned on me this morning. I'm just kind of telling you my thought process, what happened this morning. As I was out up late last night, early morning, and back up early this morning, I was just like, you know, that makes perfect sense. God, somehow, in his divine will, his divine know, he knows all things. You know, he said, he John, I'm going to bring some hard things into your life. I'm going to stick you out there in an alpanus because of these wicked, evil men. And you know what? John, don't blame me for it, but I'm going to put you out there. And when you get accustomed to living out there, I'm going to give you a revelation. Whether this all happened or not, this is just, I got a good imagination. But you know, as God, as God put John out there in the Alpamas by himself on this island, and God says, you know what? I will, I will deliver to you a message for all the people, for, for the people moving forward for eternity. And I will give you this revelation. And I want you to pin this down. And how this all happened, I don't know. Did John, when he, when his, when he got stuck out there, and whoever hauled him out there and dumped him off there, how all that happened, I don't know. But you think John said, "Wait a minute, I need to get my pen and paper. Where's my computer?" No, I don't know how this all happened. But it, it, Jesus, God gave him this this revelation out there, and this is what we have, and this is all what happened. He, you know, he had these dreams. He had these this this vision that he had. And God spoke to him. And you know, it's easy, it's easy for you and I as we walk on this new carpet, as we sit on these plush little pews in this church, it's like, man, that must have been awesome. But are you willing to pay the price that John paid? You know, you think about that. And sometimes the people that are closest to God went through very difficult times. I think of these communist people or these people in the communist countries that get tortured for the face and spend years in jail. And God does amazing things in their life. And it's easy for me to read these stories as I'm up late, wee hours in the morning, reading books. I'm like, God, why don't that happen to me? And then I think, am I willing to pay the price? Am I willing to pay the price that they did? Sit years in jail and be treated like a nobody and be kicked around. The disciples in the first part of Matthew 24, let's go back to Matthew 24. My time is up. And my introduction is just about over. The disciples asked three questions. And I'm just going to leave these three questions with you, okay? They asked three questions. Write this down. In Matthew 24, verse 3, when will they, they ask this question, when will this be? When will this happen? When will, when will this take off? That's question number one. Question number two, it says this, what will be the sign of your coming? What will be the sign of your coming? And that coming, I looked it up. I'm like, what does that mean? And this is what it means in Greek. It means his coming presence. Okay? You start to think about that. Christ is coming back. His presence is coming back. And it will be, he's coming in. What's he coming in? Is he coming as a babe, right? You agree with that? Is he coming as a babe? No. Heads are shaking. What do you think he's coming in? He's coming in a cloud. In a cloud. But he's also coming as king of kings. He's coming with glory. He's coming with power. He's not coming as a babe. 
anymore. And the third question they ask, what is the sign of the end of the age? What is he talking about? When they reach 70, they go in the grave? Is that what he's talking about? What's he talking about? Generally shaking his head vigorously. The end of the world. Okay? So that means you and I possibly could see that, right? Maybe. If time continues on. Or if we live, outlive that. Or if we live to that point. I think that in, in the, as I was reading this, I was thinking about these disciples and how I tried to think like they were thinking. Okay? Have you ever tried to do that? Like try to think what the, how they're thinking? And sometimes I just, I just like spin out. I'm like, okay. So these are human People like you and I, and so we got to try to think like they think. Okay, so here's here's what I wrote down. So I'm trying to think how these disciples think. Okay, the disciples are thinking, and, and I may be totally off course here a little bit, but just bear with me. I think the disciples are thinking when Jesus said at the end of the age, then he's coming back. Okay, so now let's try to think like the disciples. How do you think they thought, Bob? Do you have a thought? How do you think they thought? Uh, right off the cuff. The top of my head is that they, uh, he had never said anything prior to this about him coming back for second coming. So he, they're probably saying, when you're going to come into your power. Thinking, not die, come back on an angel. They're thinking right there, for the temples to be destroyed, the age is going to end. The Jewish age is going to end. And you're going to be king. When does that happen? Okay. Exactly. So, along with that, I was thinking, these disciples are thinking, Jesus, you're going to come back. You just got done tell us the temples will be destroyed. We're under this Roman guru and this suppressive Roman government, so to speak. So, when you come back, when are you going to come? This end of this age. They were talking about the age that they were living in. Now, this is how I was thinking. And But when you come back, you're going to set up your kingdom right here. And we're going to be all one just one big happy family. I don't think they perceived what Jesus was really trying to say. That's how I took it. That's what I was trying to. I was trying to just like, if I would have been there with one of those 12 disciples, that's how we would have thought. You know, sometimes, well, we have this attitude. Well, um, I wouldn't have thought like that. Whoa, just stop. You know what? You're human. And, you know, there's times and how we have been raised and the settings we've been raised in. We have this thought process, and it may not be it teeters on the tracks of not quite right. And, you know, I have to admit that there's times there's things that maybe I grew up with or we have been taught since since our beginning. And, you know, it's like, whoa, I never seen it that way. That's why I love this church. We, we come from all these diverse backgrounds. I love you. And it just brings balance. So we need each other. So if you don't think you don't need, um, if you don't, if you think you don't need me, um, that's okay. You replace it with other people, okay? But you know what? I need you. I need you. It's ten after, and I was going to appoint somebody to raise their hand at twelve o'clock. So my apologies. I will take, I will take responsibility. It's okay. Okay, let's pray. Thank you, God, for today. Thank you for your wondrous love you have given to your to mankind. And, Lord, how you can pick sinful, wicked, evil humanity out of the pit of wreckage and set them on solid, firm ground. And, Lord, and they love you. They sing praises to you. They walk with you. I'm just thinking of Apostle Paul, Lord. How he was so zealous about all the wrong things. And yet when he met you, it all changed. And Lord, how much we need to be the same way. When we meet you, when we communicate with you, we walk to you. We learn how to be like you. So I just pray for each one in this service. I pray, Lord, we come back next week and we can learn of the seven ways of a sign of your coming. We commit this all to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.